0: Welcome back to the Traders Point Church of Christ podcast, and thank you for joining us. Each week, we open up the Bible for just a few minutes and discuss God's Word together. We discuss its meaning and the ways in which we can apply it in our walk as followers of Christ. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, you can visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can follow us on Facebook and YouTube as well. If you haven't yet subscribed to the podcast, please take just a second to do that so you can stay up to date on all of the content that's put out on this channel.
1: Thanks again for joining us, and enjoy today's conversation. Well, hello. Once again, we welcome you for studying along with us in our podcast here. John and I are here, and we're ready to go with something new beginning this week. We're going to spend some time, really the next three weeks, in one chapter from the book of Ephesians, specifically Ephesians chapter 4, um, it, there's a lot going on in this chapter. Uh, there's a lot of interesting things that we can discuss and talk about, uh, really applicable in a lot of ways uh, to, your, uh, to our lives as Christians. Um, certainly our relationship with one another, which is going to be a big part of what we're going to talk about uh, today. But uh, you know, it's just a, it's it's one of those incredible chapters with a lot going on, mm-hmm. and so we're going to take a few weeks and uh, and kind of work our way through it. And so uh, the plan is going to be here for uh, this first uh, episode to kind of focus in on uh, verses one through six, and then uh, next week we'll spend some time in verses seven through sixteen, and the following week. We'll pick up there in verse 17 to the end of the chapter. So uh, before we get into uh, this text here at the beginning of Ephesians, John, why don't you just kind of give us... A little bit of big picture, maybe, you know, just some generalizations about maybe the book itself, uh, where we are. I know we're, we're kind of jumping in the middle of the book uh, a little bit, and maybe kind of help us pull, you know, a little bit of that together.
0: Yeah, I think when you look at this book, it's important to keep in mind the relationship that Paul had with the Christians in Ephesus. And I think pretty easily the argument could be made that maybe outside of the church at Antioch, where he seemed to kind of call his home base— there was probably not a group of Christians that he had spent more time with than the Christians in Ephesus. You know, We get indication in the book of Acts that he was there for about three years. Uh, he, he made special efforts to talk to the elders at Ephesus as he was passing through that area. And so this was a group of people that he had a very close relationship with. And keeping that in mind, I think, is important because he writes to them and he's conveying some very important messages that are going, that's going to help build and strengthen their faith. But he's very personally invested in these individuals and their growth as Christians, and I think that comes through in the writings that we see in this book. And then we get into chapter 4, and my guess is, as we read through some of this over the next few weeks, you'll probably come to some of the same realizations that, that I have, that this is a chapter that is going to be very, very well known. It, it, the, you're going to hear, even if you're not necessarily um, super engaged as a Bible student, you're going to recognize some of the verses and some of the language that we're going to read because it's an often quoted uh, chapter. It's one that's used in many, many sermons. I've preached from it. You've preached from it. Everybody's preached from Ephesians chapter 4. It's a, it's a passage of Scripture that is really important because it contains so many huge principles uh, not just for us individually as Christians, but for the church as well. And so, you know, we'll read through this over the next few weeks, and we'll make connections uh, to several other passages of Scripture where similar language is used, but I think you'll recognize much of what we're going to read, and that's because of just how important this message is that Paul has to bring to these Christians in Ephesus. So again, keep in mind the relationship that Paul has with these individuals, the time he spent with them, and I think that will help as we read through this chapter together
1: yeah I mean, there are some foundational principles that are given to us here in this chapter, but really in a in a lot of ways, and we'll we'll talk about it certainly this week and next week and most certainly in the in the third week, towards the end of this chapter. It, it, there's a lot here about their relationship with one another. He, yeah. he really has them considering that and thinking about that. You made mention his relationship with them is already special. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's something that he he cares deeply about, and he wants them to understand that you know their relationship with him and their relationship with each other as Christians as fellow followers of Christ it is that it's unique, it's special, and yeah. and it's to be, you know, accompanied with specific attitudes. And yeah. we have to be constantly thinking about those things and thinking uh, about our relationship. And so I think this chapter has a lot, you know, to say about that. These first six verses uh, really kind of center around the idea of unity. That's going to be a, a big point of our discussion over the next several minutes. And um, it, it is, again, foundational kind of principles that are laid out here at the very beginning of this chapter. So, let's go ahead and read it together. Uh we're going to read the uh, the verse 6 uh, the first 6 verses uh here together. Maybe you've got a Bible close by that you could follow along, but uh I'll uh, I'll read this for us and then we'll we'll discuss what Paul has in store for the Christians there in Ephesus for us uh, even today. Ephesians chapter 4 beginning of verse 1. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all was above all and through all and in you all you know what's interesting you, you made mention that this is a, a pretty well known mm-hmm. passage and a lot of times we'll read this and, and we'll be able to spend a lot of time I mean we're doing that we're breaking just these first six verses you know out but I think sometimes it's important to to for us to understand that for this chapter these verses Mm -hmm. really serve as an introduction. He's going to build on the thoughts that are here in really the rest of this chapter. And so uh, we're going to do our best, even though we are somewhat pulling these six verses out, but at the same time still kind of hold on, you know, the understanding that he's kind of setting up, you know, a a few things. And in, in a lot of ways, it's interesting that he starts almost chapter four in a similar way that he would start chapter 1 in a lot of his other epistles. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he makes uh, almost an introduction of himself. He already does in this book, in Ephesians chapter 1, but he kind of does that again, you know, here in Ephesians chapter 4, when he kind of introduces himself and gives a descriptor of himself here at the very beginning, that I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I'm beseeching you, I'm exhorting Mm -hmm. you uh, to be thinking about some of these things. And so, you know, I think it's interesting, this idea of, you know, Paul making reference to the fact that he's a prisoner of the Lord. I think that has two truths, you know, mm-hmm. within it. Yeah. Literally, he was a prisoner at right. this time. But yet I also think that that has something to do with his, you know, uh, this is my relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. He calls himself a servant in lots of other places. Yep. And, and certainly I think he can allude to that as well.
0: Yeah, that type of language is is really interesting because he doesn't say, I'm a prisoner of Rome. He says, "I'm a prisoner of the Lord," and, and I think even that is is an indicator of of where Paul's mindset is. Yes, he is in custody, and he has been taken into custody by Rome. He has been arrested, essentially, but yet he is a prisoner of the Lord. The Lord is the one who has taken him captive. It is he has captivated his thoughts and his energy and his mind and his efforts. He is he is in full servitude to the Lord. And so it is, I, just, I think in a little ways a, a bit of a play on words here by Paul, but it is an indicator of where his mindset is. And it's also an indicator then to those who are reading this, that, that he is writing this as someone who is serving God in everything that he's doing and everything that he has to say. And certainly then as he begins to talk about unity, that, that is so important to realize that in order for us to be unified, We too have to be prisoners of the Lord. We have to be in full service to him. We have to be giving him our all in the same way that Paul was. And in those ways, we can be unified in God, which is what he's talking about here in these first six verses, is the unity that we are to share with one another in the Lord. And so, yeah, that first line, it does sound like an introduction. And in some ways, it is introducing this chapter and this idea of, but more than anything, I think it's it's challenging us to think, can we say the same thing about ourselves? I'm not a prisoner to anyone today. I'm a free man. I, I'm not in bondage to this state or to this country. I'm a free person. But can I say in all honesty that I am a prisoner of the Lord, that, that He has taken me captive and that I am fully serving Him, That's the mindset that we're going to have to have in order to have the type of unity with one another in Christ
1: that Paul's talking about here. Yeah, I think sometimes it could be a challenging mindset. I mean, it you know, we're, as we're sitting here talking about this, you know, the United States of America in 2023, you know, we're using language that, you know, a lot of people are not comfortable in using, mm-hmm. whether true. it's the idea of prisoner, most certainly the idea of a servant, which is used throughout the New Testament, or slave even, mm-hmm. that is used throughout the New Testament. I mean, you look and you think about a book like, you know, Romans, where, you know, Paul will make the point that, listen, I'm no longer a slave to sin but I am a slave to righteousness. And, you know, that kind of language for us sometimes, are like, well, no, I'm an American. I'm not, as you said, I'm not a slave to anybody. That is, you know, it's a contrary language, Mm -hmm. you know, that we like. And there's a temptation there to then live our life with that mindset. No, it it has to be the mindset of, a servant a servant of god that i have given up i've given myself you know to him i love the you know the almost play on words that you used there on the fact that i'm i am captivated i am a captivated mm-hmm. cap captiv- <laughs> you know, if you will, you know, to God. And, and, and so he introduces himself, and he, he, he's putting himself in the same position. He wants them to understand that these are things that I'm thinking about, these are things that I am, you know, considering. And then he, he follows that up with kind of the big picture. Listen, we've got a walk worthy uh, of the calling with which we were called. Uh, we certainly, you know, we don't have time to dig into it here, but, you know, just, uh, you know, a little side study that's always good is throughout the book of Ephesians, there's constant references he makes to our walk. Mm -hmm. Lots of times it is our walk, be thinking about the way that we walk and the life that we live. And so he says here, listen, we've got to walk worthy. We've got to be worthy of this life as a Christian, of wearing the name of Christ. We've got to be worthy of that. And, And now the smaller picture that he's, as he brings it down there in verse three, is we've got to endeavor to be unified. We, we've got to. We've got to have unity. And then it kind of helps. You know, you think about verse two on on how you do that, right? You do that with lowliness, with gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another. All of those things help in endeavoring to keep the unity. But that is the ultimate thing that he wants to spend time talking about.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting contrast as he begins, as we talked about a moment ago, that he is a prisoner of the Lord. And then we are to walk worthy of this calling. It's almost as if he he is saying, you, you have to be worthy of being a prisoner of the Lord. It's a privilege. It, it's, a, it's a privilege to be a prisoner of the Lord. Now, again, our, our minds immediately go to a prisoner is someone, we don't want anything to do with that. I, that's not a privilege at all. In fact, it's the exact opposite of being privileged. But Paul is, is kind of helping us recognize that, no, being a prisoner of the Lord's is a privilege, and you need to walk worthy of that privilege. And so then he's talking about the importance of of how we treat one another, and how we treat one another is going to show the worthiness that we have for being a prisoner of the Lord. And so it's important for us to interact with one another uh, in gentleness and with patience and, and bearing with one another in love. And those types of qualities that we demonstrate in the way that we speak to one another, the way that we treat one another, shows our worthiness of being a prisoner of the Lord. That is Now, that's not to say that we're earning that. Right. It's an important distinction to make. We are We are being given this as a free gift through God's grace, but we are to show our worthiness of that by how we treat one another. It's a response to this great blessing that has been given to us by God to be a prisoner of His, to be a child of His, to be in service to Him. And so we are to walk worthy of it in that manner. And so it's important that we think about You know, Am I treating my brothers and sisters in these ways? Because if not, I'm not worthy to be a child of God's. I'm not worthy of the grace and the love that he has shown to me. I'm not worthy of being a prisoner of his. Those are things that I need to give serious consideration to because it's going to demonstrate my mindset as to how I'm looking at the gift that God has given to me and the opportunity that he's given me to serve him.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. And, and, you know, all of this is leading to this idea of unity, right? That we are, you know, that we are unified mm-hmm. as Christians. You know, I think it's interesting, you know, verses 4, 5, and 6, uh, well-known verses in a lot of ways. And, and there is a depth to verses 4, 5, and 6. But I think there's also, uh, you know, a, a thought that we can be trapped in thinking that this is an incredibly deep, passage that th- this is a super challenging mm-hmm. you know uh, high theological you know thought that that Paul and you know that God is giving us here but i think just the simple point that's being made is that Unity is not a challenge for the Christian. It's a byproduct of Christianity. Yep. And I yep. think now Paul is using, he's using logic. He's using things that, that make sense to, you know, to say, listen, unity is a byproduct of Christianity. If you are a Christian and you're walking worthy of that calling and you're, you're captivated, you know, by God and you understand that you serve Him, fully, you understand all of those things. Unity is a byproduct of that. It's mm-hmm. it, it it's not a challenge. And so he levels these things, and I think there's; it's an intended simplicity given to us here to showcase that the, the unity is—there's a question that there should be unity. There's no discussion that there should be unity. There's no difficulty or even challenge that there should be unity, because Christianity breeds unity, mm-hmm. and so I think he showcases that by giving us here in verses 4, 5, and 6 all of these one things. There's just one of this, and one of this, and one of this, and because there's just one of this, if I'm all in on those things, and you're all in on those things, we are completely unified, and I think the idea is that it's a logical, simplistic thing for God's people to be unified. Yeah, 100%.
0: I appreciate you using that word, simplistic, because it it truly is. When you read this, it is as simplistic as it can be. Mm. And the unfortunate thing is that man has complicated (laughs) what God intended to be very simple from the outset. When there is just one we can all be unified in that one thing in a very simple manner but when there are hundreds mm-hmm. or dozens or whatever it may then it becomes very complicated and very messy and that's not what god intended god is not a god of messiness he he is one of order and, and simple and simplicity and structure and that's what we're seeing here and he made it so simple for us that if we treat one another in the ways that he's talking about here and we're in service to Him, as you mentioned, the result of that is going to be unity with one another. And there is just one Lord, and there's just one faith, and there's just one baptism. All of these things are so simple. If we just allow God to present it to us as He wants us to, and then we be obedient to it in response— Nothing is complicated about that. It's when man interjects man's version of wisdom and man's version of religion and man's desires, that's when things get complicated. But I think one of the things that Paul is trying to encourage these Christians in Ephesus to do is to just stay focused on the simplicity of God Mm -hmm. and allow that to unify you as brothers and sisters. And that message... That message needs to be preached just as loudly today as it did back in the day of Paul, because we too can fall victim to the same things that the Christians in Ephesus were having to watch out for. We need to stay focused on treating each other with respect and kindness and love and being unified in God and allowing our our Christian walk to be defined by simplicity and unity in the way that Paul's describing it here.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you you, you think about what man has done to religion. Man has complicated religion. Man has, you know, brought about, you know, questions, you know, to religion. And, you know, throughout the New Testament, and certainly right here in Ephesians chapter 4— you know the point is to, is made that religion is not complicated. Yeah, that that God put us in a position that everybody's able to grab hold of it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, sometimes religion can be so complicated. We convince ourselves that it's so complicated. I'm not even I'm not even equipped to grab hold of it. I'm not right. equipped to understand it, or I'm not equipped to know the answer because it is so convoluted. It is so chaotic. It is so complicated, religion. Mm-hmm. But yet the reality is that God designed it. To be a way that everybody can grab hold of it. Yeah. It, is, it is very simple. And what I love about this passage is at the very end of this text, after you get all of these one things that point to the simplicity of what religion really is, you know, Paul reminds us that, listen, God is to be glorified because of that. Yeah. You know, God is the one that designed it this way. Man brings about chaos. You're right, God isn't, he's not a God of chaos. He is a God of, you know, peace, and he is a God of unity. And in, in, in essence, now God is to be glorified because of that. And so you have there at the end of verse 6 that you have one God. You have one Father who was who above all and in all and through you all, right? It is He is the one component that is to be lifted up. He is the one component that is to be glorified because of what He has established here. Yeah, this
0: is—you know, as we get into the next section, which we'll talk about next week— It's important to keep that in mind, because the next section, Paul's going to begin addressing some of the very specific gifts that God has given to different individuals, and those gifts are for the purpose of maintaining this unity that he's talking about at the beginning of this this passage. And so it's important next week when we start reading in verse number 7 and following to remember the importance. All of this is under the heading of unity. That's what Paul's talking about in this chapter, and so the gifts that he's going to be talking about in the verses to follow are directly connected to this ideal that is being presented here in these first six verses of unity with one another.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to that study next week, beginning there in verse 7. Hopefully you've uh, enjoyed this study. We appreciate so much everyone studying along with us, and we look forward to being with you again next week.